and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. Yip, 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 yippee, we are back and better than ever after a little uh, hiatus here uh, on the podcast. We are going to be looking at a sermon from uh, Pastor Anley Stanley of North Point Church this time. Um, he did a sermon series recently called Brand New, and it kind of freaked me out to begin with. Some of you saw on Facebook that uh, I was making a big deal out of this, thinking uh, Pastor Stanley was really making a move uh, more toward the emergent camp uh, of things, and some of those elements are in there, but at the end of the day, uh, it kind of fizzled out. But I think it's worth it still maybe to take a look at probably his final sermon, which really sums up what he's doing, which is no different than the standard uh, dispensational, Baptist, uh, fundamentalist, purpose-driven, all wrapped up in the package of the purpose-driven, seeker-driven model. I think it's important that we remember that these churches that are out there, um, a lot of these big, uh, seeker-driven, big-box, pop evangelical churches um, are really nothing more than Southern Baptist churches wrapped up in a pretty bow. And believe it or not, I don't know if North Point is actually Southern Baptist. I know Charles Stanley was was Southern Baptist, who is Andy Stanley's father. But you talk about churches like New Spring, Saddleback, Mosaic, um, Elevation. All those churches um, are are Southern Baptist churches. Okay, and so what they've done is they've taken their fundamentalist message and they've wrapped it up in a nice bow and they've not kind of the hard edges off of some of their um, strict moral teachings, um, and they've sold it um, as uh, as this popular thing with the pop music and the pop comedy and, and the self-help and so on and so forth. And really, at the end of the day, that's what we have here with Pastor Stanley and his series, brand new. It's really nothing new. Um, it's the same old fundamentalist saw in my estimation. So we're going to take a look at that and review that sermon. I was going to do the whole series because I thought something real serious was going on here, but it turns out it's really not that serious at all. Uh, but we're going to take a look at it and see what goes on. Save the world Just you wait till it's unfurled It'll go down in history Yeah, it's prophetic No, it's not pathetic I can't believe I made it up myself My evil plan to save the world Just you wait till it's unfurled It'll go down in history It's prophetic No, it's not pathetic Thanks, as always, to Eric and Polly Rap for the use of their tune, Hey Preacher Men. Please check out these wonderful artists at www.ericandpollyrap.com. That's Eric and Polly. What's well, good, R-A-P-P.com. Thank you to Michael Almquist and Five Iron Frenzy for the use of their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World. Check out what's happening with Five Iron at www.fiveironfrenzy.com. Thanks to Greg Mann for the use of his tune, Time is Money, the one you're hearing right now. Check out all of Greg's wonderful work on all the major music outlets, including iTunes and Amazon. Just search for Greg, that's 1G, Mann, that's M-A-N-N, two N's, or follow Greg on Facebook. We also want to let everyone know that our featured artist here at God Still Speaks Through Jackasses, Cody F. Miller, has an all-new website at www.codyfmiller.com where you can order Cody's prints right online, and I would encourage you to do so. He's got some wonderful work there. Thank you, Cody, for letting us use your piece entitled Balaam. Please check out Cody's work, and again, place your order for your print or original at CodyFMiller.com. And as ever, thanks to Gene Towie. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, please contact Gene at RevTowie. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. Hey, okay. Your time is money, honey. All my time I'm gonna spend on you. Your time is money, honey. I'm spending my lifetime with you. 
Today we wrap up this series brand new, and I have loved this content because it's given me an opportunity to take some things that we've talked about randomly and sort of cram them all into a series and help us to begin to think differently about Christianity and the Christian life. And specifically, if you've not been here, you are coming in on the tail end of the movie, and the best thing you can do is go to brandnewseries.org. You can see the first four parts, watch this fifth part. It'll be up there forever. If you're in a small group, you can download PDF and, and have a discussion. Uh, the response to the series has been extreme on both ends. There are people who loved it, and the haters are gonna hate, 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 hate. But did you know Jesus said in Matthew 10 to shake it off? That's right. Taylor Swift <laughs> did not originate that. That's a Jesus statement that she stole for her song, but that's okay. He said, shake it off, shake it off. Oh, you didn't do your part. Shake it off, shake it off. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Anyway. Okay, so yeah, when Jesus was uh, referring to to, the, to that, to shaking the dust off your feet, you know, um, what he's referring to is if people don't um, receive the message of the gospel, that um, you can move on, and uh, and that's fine, and and maybe you should. Sometimes when you when you talk to people about the gospel, they just reject it, and. Uh, you know the the biggest problem I see with this entire series is that Pastor Stanley seems to think there's something fundamentally wrong with how the church does church, and in a lot of cases there are because the way the church does church these days so obscures the message of the gospel and, and gets it wrong in so many ways that they need to change that and get the get the message clear. See the thing is 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 the message clear? That's really what we're after. Because when Jesus instructed his disciples to, to shake the dust off their feet, if the if their message was rejected, and that message being the gospel, um, it was important that they got the message clear. And throughout this entire series, Pastor Stanley is talking about what, what are obstacles that are preventing people from coming to church. And I'm not sure that that's even the right question to ask, because are, are we trying to get people to come to our church, or are we trying to get people to hear the message of the gospel. Now, I hope he's using these terms kind of interchangeably. In fact, it probably is on some level. If you cornered him and asked him and said, Pastor Stanley, do you mean by people coming to the church, people hearing the gospel, he'd probably say yes. Okay, so um, the question then becomes, is what Pastor Stanley and North Point does, he started off this series talking about how um, you know we used to do churches with steeples and pews and stained glass and, and long sermons and that sort of thing, we, and we've kind of changed all that finally. We've kind of got that all squared away. Now we do it with smoke and lights and short sermons and, and self-help uh, uh, messages and comedy routines and these sorts of things. And now people really like what we're doing, and they're, and they're coming, they're attending. But the question remains, is the message becoming more clear to them because of this or is it actually more obscured now that's a topic really for debate um quite honestly I, you know it, i don't care what you use to attract people to your church in fact there are some churches who do a great job um with this uh, coral ridge very contemporary type of church in in a lot of ways um does things uh in, in a more of a modern uh, uh medium for doing church um, yet the the message is clear week in and week out. Law and gospel, sin and grace, repentance and the forgiveness of sins. They they bring that message loud and clear every week and in everything they do. My question is, does North Point do that? Do they bring the gospel every week? Law and gospel, sin and grace. Is the, is the message clear? Is the music they're using helping them to... Uh, put a spotlight on Christ, or is it, or is it uh, something that's actually just attracting people to their church? So this question of are we trying to attract people to our church, or are we trying to clarify the message is an important one. All right, and so if we're going to shake the dust off our feet, we got to make sure our message is clear, right? Because if people are rejecting something else besides the message, then maybe they have a right to do so. In fact, this whole notion of the seeker-driven, purpose-driven uh, church model for doing church um, is the most expensive. Um, it's in a lot of ways becoming passe. Just kick around a little bit out there, and, and you'll see how people are kind of starting to make fun of how um, contemporary churches do church these days. Um, you know, it's, it's becoming borderline ridiculous how uh, uh, you know how much we're trying to appeal to the culture, and it's and and the message really has no place or or, or there's no substance to what's happening. It's really more about attracting people to come to the church, and, and it's become more like uh, a, a venue for entertainment, you know, like a bar or a football game or a comedy show or whatever the case may be, or, or a self-help guru. Um, they're all trying to attract people to 
their thing, and most of it's entertainment-based. How entertaining is it? So if your your church is extremely entertaining, your pastor is really funny, and he doesn't preach too long, and you've got comfy chairs, um, is this the thing that's attracting them, or is it the message? And the message Pastor Stanley has preached over, over the course of this series, um, if he's going to talk about shake, shake, shake it off, um, does he really have a right to do that? Or are people actually coming with some substance against what he's saying? I think if you listen to this sermon series and, and really compare it to the scriptures, you're going to find um, that Pastor Stanley really has no right to just shake it off. Um, that his, quote, haters really have some points, and he might ought to uh, try listening to what they have to say. They're not just hating. We're not just, I, I don't do this podcast to just um, to, to get people up in arms and get people all riled up, and that's not the point. Not the point at all. The point is, is that I want the gospel to go out with clarity from every pulpit in this nation. Now, I'm just a little small-time podcaster, but I, I'm, by gosh, I'm doing, I'm doing my part to try to do that, to do that with local pastors around the area I live in and that sort of thing, to try to try to help them to see how they're off message. Because look, at, for the first um, 10 years of my adult life, I spent in ministry and I was completely off message. I know what this is about. I know what the secret-driven person is firsthand. And I know that what I did was try to just get butts in the seats and attract people. And if I could count them and if I could somehow convince them to be baptized um for for whatever reason then boy i could count them and i could say haha look what we're doing look how successful we are look what the lord's doing here when in reality all i was doing was entertaining them enough to get them to keep coming back and that coupled with the god piece with the oh i did my god duty for the week if if people can go and be mildly entertained at least and check off their god duty box for the week and say oh i'm good with god because i i went um, then that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty powerful marketing tool there, marketing message, and people will go for that, and you'll get people in the seats. It's not a very difficult thing to do. Um, it'd be like if a bar had a string quartet playing in it, and they had you know maybe five or ten people coming around to hear the string quartet because they liked the substance of the music. Um, and then later on, the bar keep figured out, you know what, if I bring in some uh, classic rock and roll, the music is not nearly as good, not nearly as intricate, not nearly as um, as uh, en- engaging in, in many, many ways as a, as a string quartet would be. But people like it. He would get more people in there buying drinks and, and whatnot. It's not, but they're not coming because of the substance of the music. They're coming because they're being entertained in a way they want to be entertained. So that's that's the question I, w- I wonder about here. And all of these, quote, haters that Pastor Stanley is, is getting, is he listening to the substance of what they have to say? Because if his message isn't clear, and he's got people telling him, look, you're obscuring the message of the gospel, and they've got a point, and I think they do, then this isn't just haters that he needs to shake the dust off his feet about. This is something he needs to fix. If they're rejecting the message of the gospel, then yeah, shake the dust off your feet and move on. But I'm convinced that people aren't um, rejecting the message of the gospel here at all. What they're rejecting is Pastor Stanley's um, solutions to getting more butts in the seats at North Point and saying, no, no, this is not what it's about. It's about us needing to clarify our message. So maybe you need to listen to a few of those haters and just consider this question. Is what he's doing at North Point and what he's doing in this sermon series clarifying the gospel? Or is it obscuring it? Okay, that's the question he needs to ask. And then consider whether or not he needs to shake, shake, shake that dust off his feet. To make sure you're awake. So here's the deal. And if you're new and, and you don't know who we are, I am, it doesn't really matter. But here's the deal. I love the local church. So many of you love the local church. Most of us or many of us were raised in the local church. And I love our church. I love our churches. I love the church. And I can understand why people push back against the church. I can understand why people push back on Christianity. I get why people would push back on Jesus. The thing that breaks my heart and, and, and breaks our heart is when people resist Jesus and resist the church for reasons that shouldn't even be 
reasons to resist Jesus and resist the church. I mean, if you want to resist Christianity, there's really just one really good reason, and that's because you just don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, that's, that's a valid point, and we can talk about that. But for so many of us, our bad church experience was not theological. And for many of you who aren't in church, the reason you're you know, disconnected and have a bad attitude maybe toward Christians is stuff that really isn't even germane to the church or to Jesus. In fact, many of you, if, if we were honest, have resisted the, the things that many of you have resisted about church are things the church should have actually resisted. Because when Jesus showed up, he introduced something brand new. Brand new, it was a total departure. It was a stark contrast from ancient religion and a stark contrast from much of what is called religion today. We've talked about this thing I've created called the temple model. The temple model represented everything in in religion from ancient um, Egyptian religion all the way through Greek religion, Roman religion, ancient um, Judaism, and much of religion today. In the temple model, there's always sacred places there are always sacred men, always men. There are always sacred texts. And then there's always the followers, the sincere followers, the superstitious followers, the scared followers. And the sacred men interpret the sacred text and tell everybody how to live and tell everybody here's what it really means and here's what you need to do. And they become powerful over time. And if that sounds like, hey, that's not ancient. That's like the church I grew up in. I know, that's why we're doing this series. Because when Jesus showed up, when Jesus showed up, he said, I have come to introduce not something simply to the Jewish people. I've come to introduce something to the world that is brand new. Right, okay, so... This is what freaked me out about this sermon series originally is when he started talking about this temple model idea, which is completely uh, something that he pulled out of his imagination. Okay, it's not it's not based on scripture. Um, it's not really based on anything other than than Pastor Stanley's own imaginings and perhaps his observations about what's about what's going on in the world around him. Uh, and he starts talking about sacred men, sacred texts, sacred places, and the sacred people. I started to think, whoa, what's he getting ready to do here? Is he getting ready to disband North Point? <laughs> because um, while he says that all these things are bad, um, he is doing exactly those things. He's a sacred person. He's a man, which he kind of derides throughout the series, that, that these sacred men are indeed men. They're always men. That's what he says. Um, he kind of uh, chastises that uh, that notion. He's, he he um, brings up this idea of sacred text as a bad thing. Okay, so now our, our sacred text is the Bible. And so it, is that something that he's getting ready to downplay or get rid of? What's um, And this is something you're going to see that he never really resolves. I mean, in some shape, manner, or form he tries to, I guess. Um, the sacred place, uh, newsflash, Pastor Stanley has got multiple, I don't know how many different, I was on their website the other day, and I, I don't know how many different satellite churches they have, and the, their main building there in, in North Point, I guess near Atlanta, um, boy howdy, they've got a lot of, I mean, they wouldn't call them sacred places, um, but they've got a lot of buildings, <laughs> um, they've got a lot of places where they gather, and when they put, uh, you know, we looked at New Spring a couple of weeks ago where Perry Noble is the lead pastor. $50 million budget, $18 million of which I believe, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's $18 million that goes to buildings and facilities alone. I mean, if that's not treating something as sacred, I don't know what is. When you put that kind of money towards a building, um, it's got to mean something. So I don't know what's happening. I don't know where Pastor Stanley gets this, is going with it. He never really goes anywhere with it. He doesn't say, okay, this is how we get rid of the sacred man. This is how we get rid of the sacred text. This is how we get rid of the uh, sacred places. And this is how we should minister to the sacred people. Okay, um, He never really wraps that up. He never really tells us this is how we overcome these obstacles in a lot of ways. Now, he, he says it's, it's by love, and that's what he's going to talk about. Um, but that notion completely comes from the sacred text, our Bible, right? And there, here he is, a sacred man, interpreting it for everybody in one of their multi-million dollar sacred places. I mean, I can't help but call something that's that expensive, um, maybe we wouldn't call it sacred, but it's certainly something worth something. They put that kind of money toward it. So what's what's really, I don't know where he's going with this, other than to say, really, all this is is the same old 
fundamentalist Southern Baptist dispensational tripe that we've heard before. It just gets packaged differently. It's nothing brand new. It's just something Pastor Stanley made up to to try to further the the purpose-driven, seeker-driven church model, which, again, is nothing more than, um, in my estimation, Southern Baptist fundamentalism wrapped up in a nice bow, and you knock off the hard hard edges of the difficult morality code that that the Southern Baptists have traditionally come up with. And I'm I'm not berating all Southern Baptists. Most Southern Baptists are pretty good, but they run the gamut. And here's one spectrum of the gamut, the, the purpose-driven, seeker-driven model. And this pretty much has come from the Southern Baptist denomination, the community. And what they figured out is they, they've got some hard teachings because they are fundamentalists. <laughs> and how can we wrap this up in a way that's more appealing to people? And then kind of bait and switch them and get them to get into it. And like, oh, I really like how that stuff goes on in the church. And then... So what you say, oh, but now you need to, and you're going to see a little bit of that go on here. Okay. So anyway, I, he talks about this temple model thing, but he's got no solutions for it in reality. I mean, he, he completely makes nonsense of that just by virtue of the fact that he's standing up there preaching on a, on a stage in a multi-million dollar building. He's a sacred man. And he's reading, he's using a sacred text. He's using the scriptures and he's in a sacred place. That's just that's just so long and the short. I don't see it any other way than that. And he and he offers re- really no practical solutions to to overcoming those quote obstacles. Again, if he was serious about it, which I thought he might have been, so it got me all alarmed about this. Not alarmed, but I was like, oh, this might be interesting. Is he getting ready to disband North Point? What's what's going on? Is he selling off the going to sell off the building and quit his job and you know and uh, denounce the scriptures? I you know what's. What's getting ready to happen here? But none of that happened. And uh, you're going to hear Pastor Stanley give uh, what I estimate is a very feeble explanation for how we are to combat these obstacles in the church. There's going to be a brand new arrangement between God and man. He said, I'm initiating a new covenant, a new arrangement between God and man. He said, I'm going to give you a new command that's going to supersede all the commands. And when you're wondering what you do, you just refer back to this one command. The Jews, you know, had 600 plus laws. We grew up with the Ten Commandments. Every temple system, every religious system has a bunch of rules and regulations. Jesus says, in my movement, in my movement, there are a lot of applications but there's really just one command. And this one command is gonna be an ethic. And this is this one giant broad ethic is gonna be the filter through which you make every single decision. And it's gonna be much simpler than what you've experienced in the past. And he began a brand new movement that unfortunately has been titled church. The word church comes from a German word that means house of the Lord. Okay, so before I let him go on here too much, the, the single ethic he's talking about, if you go back and listen to the previous sermon in this series, it's called, What Does Love Require? That is the single ethic. And he's saying this is completely brand new, completely different from any other. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not any different at all. Jesus summed up the the Decalogue and the Law Code in, in two commands. From Deuteronomy, by the way, um, the Shema of Deuteronomy 6, and, and from uh, Leviticus, which basically and he combined the two things, and he said, um, love God and love your neighbor. And so Pastor Stanley puts it as, what does love require? Okay. Well, let me tell you precisely what love requires. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in Uh, the heavens above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you in your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that it is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that, you, that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is in your neighbor's house. That is what love requires. And this is nothing new. And every other major world religion teaches this. They, I mean, generally speaking, even Islam, to believe it or not, to a large degree. Now, there obviously are some violent aspects to Islam, but they have this love ethic. This, what does love require? Every major religion in the world has this: we should love ethic, all right? And it's not simple. Because when you say, oh, we just need to love. Well, what does that mean? Okay, to some Islamic extremists, if I love you, <laughs> then if you don't agree with what I say, if I, if I love my neighbors, my, my Islamic brothers, if you don't agree with what I say, then I need to put a bullet in your head. That's an, that's a, that's an act of love to some Islamic communities. <laughs> I mean, they may not articulate it that way but they think that's the good and the right thing to do all right so when you when you throw out this um abstract and narthrous notion of love then people are going to come up with all kinds of ideas of how to fulfill that all kinds of ideas and so god in the decalogue here and in the law code and in several other places in the scripture including um, including the New Testament, the epistles, the writings of Paul. We, I think of uh, the, the table of duties, particularly from Ephesians. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands, blah, blah, blah. These sorts of things, you know, the children, the, all that stuff. 1 Corinthians 13. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, right? Let's just take a look at that real quick. 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to skip down a little bit um, and talk about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay. Now, that just that little bit, think about yourself for a minute. And, and think seriously about yourself. Are you patient and kind? Yeah, Matt. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm very patient and kind. Um, all the time. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, um, you must be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. So sometimes doesn't cut it. Are you arrogant sometimes? Are you rude ever? Do you insist on your own way? Are you irritable? Are you resentful? Do you rejoice when people do wrong things? Or when something bad happens? I know I do all those things. Okay, so Pastor Stanley's going to talk about this ethic of love that permeates every other major world religion. Every other one. And, it, and if Christianity is just another religion among the religions trying to figure out the best way to love, then okay. If that's what Pastor Stanley's saying, then I respectfully disagree. Christianity is not just another religion among religions trying to teach another way to love. And that's not what Jesus came to do. At all. At all. Can't be. Jesus came down as God in the flesh. And by the way, no other major world religions have that feature. God coming down to us. Incidentally, speaking of the, the law code, the covenant, that sort of thing, the Abrahamic covenant, um, Hebrew scholars tell us, archaeologists tell us, and, and Hebrew scholars confirm this, that... Um, that the Hebrew Bible is the only sacred text where God makes a covenant with human beings. That never happens in any other religion. The difference between Christianity is that Christianity doesn't say, climb up to God by your efforts. Christianity says, God will come down to us. And that is the central point of the message. Now, let me say this. Well, aren't we supposed to love? And Yeah, doesn't the scriptures teach? Of course it does. Of course it does. But without that central teaching, without the gospel piece, 
This And this is where Pastor Stanley goes horribly, horribly wrong. And this is where every other fundamentalist religion goes wrong. Is they say, you've got to love. And then they make up their own law code to define how it is you're to love, and then you start following it. It, it happened with the Pharisees. They did the same thing. They took the law code, which is all about how to love God and love your neighbor, and they turned it into a bunch of meaningless rules. And we do this all the time when we talk about love in these terms. And Paul even makes it more specific here. I mean, this is all law. Love, the command to love is law. And if we're going to love, we have to have the gospel. We have to have the part where God comes down to us. And forgives all of our sins, forgives all of our lack of love, covers all those transgressions. And when I talk about sin, I'm not talking about some anarthrous abstract thing. I'm talking about the time um, when your neighbor needed some help with grocery money and you refused to help or you didn't help. Or you didn't even know they had a problem. I'm talking about the time um, where where you chose to, uh, to, uh, you borrowed a friend's car. I'll just put it real personally. We, um, at, at my work, I drive trucks. And we do what we call slip seats. So we drive each other's trucks all the time. Um, and there have been occasions where I've taken things that didn't belong to me out of those trucks. Maybe a bottle of water. No big deal, really. But it wasn't mine. You know, what if the next guy was like, you know, I know how annoyed I get when I don't have water and I have to stop and get water. I took the guy's last bottle of water and just didn't put one back, you know. Stuff like that. This is real stuff where we hurt our neighbors. It's not just this uh, uh, thing out there in the ether, this sin, oh, naughty, naughty thing. It's when we really do harm to people, sometimes irreparable harm to others. All right, this is a real deal. And we need that forgiveness. We need that power of what Jesus did in this person and work to come and take care of that issue before we can even think about or figure out how to love one another. Right? We've got to have law and gospel. And this message is going to be complete law. Pastor Stanley talks about the temple model and how they had all these rules and regulations. When you throw out, you just need to love, guess what? You are setting everybody up for just another big bunch of rules and regulations. That's all you're setting them up for. And this is not the message of the Scripture. The message of the Scripture is that God, in the person and work of Jesus, came down to us. We didn't come up to him. We didn't climb up to him in any way, shape, manner, or form. And we don't ever. All right, Not even in our sanctification. So when we say, should we love? Oh yeah, we should love. We should, you know, we should be saying, we don't even co-opt our own sanctification. God does all of that too. In other words, God gives us the power to love. And gives us the desire to love one another. It's not something we can cocked up or, or put our own efforts behind or anything like this. And this is exactly what Pastor Stanley's setting up. And when he talks about temple model, if he wants to talk about bad religion, which is really what he's talking about, this is precisely the grounds for bad religions. This is the foundation of all the religions that have ever oppressed and uh, enslaved people throughout human history. Is they say, oh, we need to love, and here's what it means to love, the rules, all the regulations. And if you don't love, then here's the punishments. All right. And the way Pastor Stanley's setting this up is we need to love, and you need to figure out what that is. And it should. And he's going to say it should be obvious to you. Okay, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, but he's going to say it should be obvious to you. And if you don't love, guess what's going to happen? People aren't going to come to our church. That's the problem. People are going to reject the message. It's going to be your fault that they didn't come to church. So you better get to loving and showing people that we're not hypocrites and so on and so forth. See how this works? This is the this is the same thing the church has tried forever, especially in the past couple hundred years where we've got this whole um, this whole notion of pietism and revivalism. This is this is exactly what's been going on in the past couple hundred years. And this was this is what goes on in every other major world religion. Okay. Follow the rules, climb up to God and show everybody else how it's done, and then they'll want to be a part of what you're doing. God says, no, no, I, that's not what I came. That's not the message at all, at all. The message is, is I'm Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us, not us with God. God doing the things, Jesus accomplishing it all. It is finished. 
is what Jesus says on the cross. And when you preach all law like this and no gospel, the fact that Jesus has done all this for us and given us his imputed righteousness, and Pastor Stanley is going <laughs> to make some major glosses here that I'll point out. But when we, when we, when we gloss over this, this point, then the option to love is, is null and void. It's just not there. It's not real. Um, and it's not something we can accomplish ourselves in reality. And again, it's just it, it's just the old it's just old religion. It's just the way every religion has ever worked, and Christianity unfortunately has adopted this. You want to talk about an obstacle for people coming to the gospel? This is the message. Preach this message to them often enough, and pretty soon they'll wear out and they'll give up on God and they'll walk away and they'll have one of those bad church experiences that Pastor Stanley's been talking about, where they got hurt. Because they didn't live up to this ethic of love. And therefore, because they weren't living up, living up to the ethic of love, because they failed to live up to that ethic, they caused other people to not come to be a part of the community. And therefore, they should be rejected or expelled from the community in some way, shape, or form. They get shunned. All right. Instead of the gospel covering all the sins and God accepting us as the hypocrites that we are. Incidentally, it's about time, I would say. And pastors and church people, if you're out there uh, listening to this, and I know you are, it's about time the church started calling itself what it is, a bunch of hypocrites, because that's exactly what we are. Let's get rid of that mask, please. Because we're no, we're no better than anybody outside of the church. We're just, we're just, as Luther put it, we're just a bunch of beggars who found a place where there's some bread. And we can show some of the other beggars, hey, you know, we found some bread over here. Come check it out. When we're not any better than you guys, we're just beggars too, but here's some bread, and it's called the gospel. Can we, When can we get rid of this? That's what I would hope for. If we're going to have a movement of God, I don't give a rat's hind leg what uh, what the music's like or how long the sermon is or how comfortable the chair is, chairs are. I would like to see a, a move of God, quote-unquote, that started um, – it started with the church identifying itself as a, as a den of hypocrites. Because that's exactly what we are, a bunch of sinners. And let's just be real about it. I mean, I can't tell you. I'm out there in the real world all the time with this. And I can't tell you how disarming it is when people go, you know what, you're just one of those Christian da-da-da-da, and this, you know, you're a hypocrite. And I go, you know what, you're exactly right. I am a hypocrite. I'm no better than you. I'm not claiming to be any better than you. And in so many words, I tell them, I'm just a beggar who found a place to find, who found a place that's got some bread. And if you want to check it out, I can tell you about it. Um, how disarming that is. The music isn't the thing. That's not the thing that's going to disarm people. The preaching, the shorter sermons, the comfy chairs, the Disneyland, uh, kids places. This isn't the thing that's going to disarm people and overcome obstacles and introduce people to Christ. The thing that's going to introduce people to Christ is when, just like Jesus did, hmm, interesting, when we come to them in humility and say, hey, I'm weak, I'm a frail, corrupt, dysfunctional human being, but I found a place where there's bread, and it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. When are we going to get that message across? This ethic of love never has worked, never will work. And I don't care what you say, this is not the message of Christ at all, at all. The message of Christ is repentance and the forgiveness of sins. It is God came down to us, not us climbing up to God to try to accomplish this, that, and the other thing, including church growth. It's about Jesus coming down to us and what Jesus has done for us. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. But Jesus did not come to establish a place he came to establish a people. He came to establish a movement. The little word, Greek word, ecclesia, that's translated church in your English Bibles should have been translated assembly or congregation or gathering because Jesus gathered people around a very simple idea, around a very personal claim, and the church was born. And what we've discovered and what we're going to continue to discover as we go forward as a group of churches is that the Jesus model is far less complicated there's far less to remember. You don't have to go to a sacred place. You don't have to kill anything. Nothing has to die. All the blood that needs to be shed has already been shed. In fact, it's so less complicated, Jesus would say, and the New Testament teaches, that you will never go to a sacred spot that is more sacred than the person with you.
That from this point forward, Jesus said, the sacred places are over because now you're sacred and you're sacred and you're sacred and you're sacred because you're made in the image of God. And that holy spirit that inhabited a holy temple has now come to inhabit people. And so the Jesus model is far less complicated. But as we said last week, it is far, far more demanding. Yeah, he's right about that. And he's going to talk about that first. But let me go back to his whole sacred places thing. Again, remember the kind of building that Pastor Stanley is standing in right now and the kind of broadcast he's making. I've seen some of these control rooms for some of these big churches like this. They're incredible, <laughs> amazing. They look, look like a news outlet or something of that nature. Um, and, again, this is what, what makes complete nonsense of what he's saying because he wants people to come to his mega church, uh, but he says it's not necessary that you come anymore. And then later on he's going to talk about how you should be coming. And so I'm, it's terribly confusing. So, if, Pastor Stanley, do we need sacred places or not? Do we need places where we gather as the body of Christ? And where two or three are gathered together, there Jesus is with them. So wherever that place is that they're in, that structure, whether it's indoor or outdoor, whatever, that place is sacred because of the people. Is it not? So, you know, what's the deal? You know, is, does he want the sacred places or does he not want the sacred places? He's talking about the sacred text. You know, he says, oh, that's bad too. And it, but, but still he uses it to make his points. And then, and then he's a sacred man. He's up there and he's saying, oh, that's bad too. But, but yet he's up there preaching. So just it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and when he talks about Jesus simplifying things, uh, not, necess- not in that sense. He didn't simplify the law. He just summed it up. I mean, when he said love God and love your neighbor, there wasn't um, – this was this was no everybody thinks this is so revolutionary this is not anything jesus did this was not new necessarily it wasn't a new commandment necessarily um you know jesus said a new command i give to you love one another as i have loved you okay sure you know um you know the reason that it was new is because the way jesus loved was was demonstrated to them explicitly for the first time ever. That's why it was new. Jesus was showing what love really meant. Okay? And we should do these things. We should try to follow the law. Why not? When we're made new creatures because of the gospel and the forgiveness of our sins, guess what? Our desires start to change. And that's great. I think that's great. That's been great for me because now I'm not like, doing all this effort in there. I've got to try hard to love my neighbor. I don't want to do it. And I still feel that in some senses, and everybody does. But for the most part, my desires have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I don't want to sin against my neighbor. Now I don't want to ignore them when they're in need. Now I don't want to steal that stuff out of guys' trucks because I know it's going to cause problems. You know, you see what I'm saying? I don't want to do these things. I, I want to love my neighbor but but it all starts with the gospel it doesn't start with the law and that's where pastor stanley is completely wrong and it's he's right it's not just demanding it's impossible impossible okay paul teaches this by by works of the law no man will be justified in any way shape manner or form okay it is only by the gospel through faith that we are saved and so when we get the cart before the horse like this, again, the law is not just demanding. No, no. The law is impossible. We won't keep it. So then where does that put us? That puts us in an entirely different category. That's why the Christian religion is so completely different from any other world religion. Because we don't try to follow a law. The law is fulfilled. It is taken care of. And then the question gets asked to us, now that everything has been given to you that you ever need, what do you want to do? Do anything you want. And what we find amazing is that as the Holy Spirit starts to drive that gospel deeper in our lives, we hear it week in and week out from our preachers and our pulpits and our Bible studies and, and everything else. When we hear this gospel and see we see law and gospel, sin and grace, repentance and the forgiveness of sins all over the place in our Christian lives and in our churches particularly, the message gets clarified. What we find when that message gets driven deep into our hearts, that guess what? Our desires start to change. And when we ask whatever, what do we, I can do whatever I want. Whatever I want starts to become loving our neighbor, which is cool. And we don't love our neighbor because we're trying to get to God. We love our neighbor because, and we do good works for our neighbor, like Luther puts it, because our neighbor needs our good works demanding no impossible what pastor stanley is proposing is impossible and if this is the solution to what the church's problem is we'll never achieve it we never have 
Okay. We can dress it up all we want. We can make it look good with the smoke and light show. But we're not ever solving the problem. We're just exasperating it. It's far more demanding because in religion and in the temple system, there's always a place to hide. Every religious system has loopholes. Every religious system has um, workarounds. Every religious system consequently is full of hypocrisy. Yeah, every single one is. Um, And it's not because of the workarounds. He's just wrong about this. I'm not sure. I mean, there are... Um, places in Islam and Buddhism and that sort of thing for um, for getting a you know for for a, a atonement in some ways. I'm not intimately familiar with them, but there's really not there's really not a lot of wiggle room in Islam that I'm aware of. Again, I am not an expert on world religions. I'm not. But what Pastor Stanley is claiming here is that all the world religions they've got these loopholes where you don't have to do you don't really have to follow the law. You know this love ethic. There's ways around it. We can get around it and. That if that's true, um, then the reason that's been uh, been brought forth as as a, a, a means by which to get around the the ethic of love, the reason the reason that's been brought forth is because people figured out we can't do it. <laughs> but for the most part, the central teachings are that this is what you must do. This is what is required if you're going to get to God. Okay, um, this is this is the central teaching of our religion that you do these rules, that you perform this task. Okay, and that's exactly what Pastor Stanley's talking about. Um, and and you're and he's right. There is no loopholes in Christianity when it comes to the law. There is no workaround until you get to the gospel. Right? You either perform the law perfectly, or you don't, and nobody does. Right? That's what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount: "Be perfect." As your heavenly Father is perfect, this is what the law demands. This is what love requires, according to Pastor Stanley. This this is the thing, and there's no way around it. We can't, you know. There there's no loopholes to it, unless you consider the gospel. And I would, I, I hate to consider the gospel as a loophole. It's not a loophole. It's not a oh well, Jesus died for my sins, so um, you know I, that's my out. That's not the point. The gospel is the fulfillment of the law. And that's something Pastor Stanley is completely missing. He's got this backwards. He really does. Because when he makes it, when he's trying to make a distinction between Christianity and the other world religions, th- that distinction is not there. Because other world religions don't, there's not loopholes, and that's just not true. There are certain things that must be done, even for atonement, in other world religions, if you want atonement, there's sometimes atonement available, but you've got to do something. You've got to make a certain sacrifice. You've got to do penance. And, you know, when you talk about, there's things you have to do for atonement. And the difference is with the Christian religion, that you don't have to do anything for atonement. The atonement's taken care of. Your sins are forgiven. Okay, and so what Pastor Stanley is doing here is exactly what Jesus warned about, where he was talking about the Pharisees tying up heavy burdens on people and not lifting a finger to help them. That's exactly what's happening here. He's saying this ethic of love. This is if you're going to be a Christian, this is what you're to be about, and there's no way around it. And if you screw it up, then people might go to hell. Essentially, is where you can take this. Was where where the reductio takes it. They're not going to come to church for sure, and they might end up in hell because you didn't love properly. Okay, so it takes it all off of Jesus, takes the focus completely off the cross, and puts it squarely on humanity. All right. Yeah, he's wrong about this. Loopholes. There's no loopholes in any religion. All right. And there's really not one in Christianity. There's no way around the fact that we are sinners and lawbreakers before God. And so God has to take care of that in a real way. And Pastor Stanley never mentions this in this message and barely mentions it in the entire sermon series in fact i would say you might as well he doesn't mention the gospel at all in this sermon series doesn't mention the fact that the law is already fulfilled he talks completely in terms of we have got to start fulfilling the law that's his message here and that's not going to do any more for christianity or anything else than it ever has other than frustrate people hurt people and get people to where they go, well, if this is what Christianity is about, I'm, I'm done. I can't do it. i, I got to walk away. And that's usually what ends up happening. Most of these seeker-driven 
uh, big box evangelical churches, revolving doors just for this reason. But it's almost impossible, it's almost impossible to hide from this, as Jesus told his followers late in his ministry. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Wait a minute, go slow, what? Let me say it again, it's complicated, I know, you don't even slip three by five card, okay? As I have loved you. Right, it is complicated. (laughs) This gets very complicated, Pastor Stanley. As I have loved you. So you must love one another. How did Jesus love love us? Well, let's think. Hmm. He was in heaven as the king of all the universe, right? And still it was when he descended in human flesh. But he came came out of heaven to earth, right? In in the form of not a king that got set up on a palace, like came down out of heaven on a lightning bolt and set himself up as a king. He came down as a baby. lived a life of a poor man, walked around for three years and taught, and then because of his teachings, he was crucified. And because of our need for the forgiveness of sins, he was crucified, he died, and he rose again. All right. As I have loved you, this is how Jesus has loved us, he completely stripped himself of everything and became weak, we must love one another. Now, again, this is all law from Jesus. And the thing of it is, we look at it as something that, okay, this is what we've got to go do. we got to go do it like Jesus. We're going to find we're going to fall flat on our faces. And Jesus knew this. And Jesus probably sat there and go, I can't wait to see him. I'm going to try this out and see what goes on. But quite honestly, when we start to look at law also as a promise... Because Jesus fulfilled the law, remember this, this whole idea? We look at this as a fulfillment of the promise that what Jesus did in loving us, that when we are given faith to believe in the gospel, that things like love one another as Jesus loved, loved us, we find ourselves loving people, people sacrificially. In fact, check out Matthew 25. And, and this is what I mean. It's, it's almost like a surprise to us. Okay, Matthew 25. Let me just skip down here to this part. We know that we're familiar with this, right? This is where he separates the sheep from the goats. And the sheep, he says, you know, he says to the sheep, you did all these things for me. And um, uh, and then, and then the, and in verse 37, this is what the righteous said. The righteous said, answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of these, the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, the point I want to make here is the surprise, right? I mean, do you ever experience that? Where you you get this drive inside of you to do something sacrificial for somebody else. And it takes all, all kinds of effort, but, but, in, but in reality, there's not this much effort going on. And something weird is happening with you. Something that is not of yourself. You begin to love people sacrificially as Jesus loved us as a natural outcropping of, of your faith in the gospel, not as some major effort to get it right and no loopholes now, no loopholes. You better do it or bad things are going to happen type of threat. Jesus simply says, love one another as I have loved you. He, in a lot of ways, I think he in essence, was not to put words in his mouth, but I wonder if Jesus wouldn't agree to this. You will love one another. It's just, it's just not a choice. As I have loved you. In fact, I ought to look that up in the Greek and see if it's indicative or imperative. might be indicative. He might be just indicating the fact that we will love each other. This is the natural outcropping of the gospel. But if we've got no gospel, we've got big problems. If all we have is law, then we've got big problems. Okay, because we're not gonna, we're never gonna do this. We're never gonna love one another as Jesus loved us. If all we have is this law, we've got to have the gospel. Pastor Stanley, can you give us a little of that, please, sir? Thank you. Okay, well, I got, I got this. So you must love one another. Well, I'm not sure what we should do. This is so complicated. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. You see, here's the deal, and here's why we dodge it, and here's why it's easier to embrace the temple model, model approach to religion. When it comes to the type of love that Jesus taught and modeled, there is no place to hide. 
There are no loopholes. There are no workarounds. There are no shortcuts with love. When it comes to the Jesus model, all of us, all of us almost always know the answer to this question. What does love require of me? Okay, see, that's the severest law and no gospel. There's no loopholes. There's no workarounds. There's just if you screw this up, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm so if I'm sitting here now, again, Pastor Stanley's encouraged us to think of these things in terms of, um, uh, you know, looking at it through the outsider's eyes. That's kind of how he's encouraged us to look at it. And I'm not sure. I mean, it's been a while since I've been kind of an outsider on these things, but, but in some ways it hasn't been that long. <laughs> um, if I'm an outsider and I'm looking at this and I'm going, wow. Um, this is what this is what it, the demands are. Uh, I'm not going to do any of this. <laughs> I can't be a part of this thing. Um, I'll fail at every turn. That would be that would be my response, and that would still be my response. That is my response to what Pastor Stanley is saying here. If there's no loopholes, quote unquote, that's what he wants to. You know, I, I hate to call the gospel loophole because it's not. It's the fulfillment of these things. But if there's no forgiveness of sins. There's no forgiveness here. And that's exactly what it sounds like Pastor Stanley is saying here. Now, I can almost guarantee you to put the best construction on what he's trying to say. If you cornered him and said, no, wait a minute, Pastor Stanley, you said there's no, 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 no way around any of this. Da, 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 da. But is there forgiveness? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course there's that. I didn't say that, but of course, everybody, that's assumed. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's absolutely not. And this is the thing. When you preach this kind of message all the time, people people forget about the gospel. I forget about the gospel every five minutes. I've got a tattooed on my arm. That's how often I forget about it. And I go back to what I would call the temple model, which is me doing. Me doing to get to God. Me doing to please God. And it's about me doing that's going to get people to church or to the gospel or whatever. This is what it's about. And it's not about any of these things. I mean, Pastor Stanley talk, is talking about how we can how we can break down obstacles to get more people to church. That's the goal. It's not really to love our neighbor. Love isn't the goal at the end of the day. According to what he's saying, love's not the ultimate goal. What the goal is, is to get people to church. And we do it how? By loving them. And then there's no way to get around this thing. There's no... Pastor Stanley, is there forgiveness of sins? Is there the gospel at all here? Or are you saying that if I just continually screw this up, that I might as well hang it up because I'm just doing more damage than good? See, this is the problem when people preach all law because it does become that complicated. And it is very demanding, as Pastor Stanley mentioned. Impossible, not just demanding, impossible. And so what's the solution to that? What's the solution to things when we screw them up? And this is not just a thing that we occasionally talk about when, you know, when some unbelievers might show up to our church. This is stuff that Christians need to hear too because Christians are out there mucking it up all day long. Pastor Stanley, you know this, and I know it because you do the same thing. You're out there mucking it up all the time. You say you're not a hypocrite? You talked about religions being hypocritical? Again, can we please just admit this? Can we? I mean, this is the difference, really, one of the major differences between the Christian religion and other world religions is we can freely say, yes, we are hypocrites. And we don't have to try to say, oh, yeah, you know what, you're right. We need to go back and clean up our act and quit being hypocrites. That's what all the other major world religions say. They That's what they have to do. Not us. We say, hey, yeah, we are hypocrites. We are sinners. But we're forgiven sinners because of what Jesus did in his person and work. That's the difference. And that's not an excuse. Again, and probably people will will criticize people who preach messages like I'm preaching here today with this sermon critique. Um, that oh well so we just don't love anymore is that it? yeah that's what I'm saying <laughs> if you think that's true go read um, Romans six pa- uh, Paul had the same uh, accusation leveled against him Jesus did too and I would say along with m- the many other 
uh, fellows in the church that if you're not preaching the gospel that elicits this response that 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 has people saying, oh well, then we just don't have to do anything. We don't have to love. We don't have to. You know, we can quote do whatever we want. Um, if we're not having that kind of uh, derogatory response, then we're not preaching the gospel. And Pastor Stanley certainly is not presenting a gospel message here. This is, this aligns right with every other world religion, which is what he's what, again another reason why his entire series makes no, no sense whatsoever. It's complete nonsense. Because while he's trying to combat this temple model, what he's doing is he's setting setting up his own version of it. I just don't see any other way around that. He's still got he's still a sacred man. He's still in a sacred place. He's still preaching from a sacred text to probably what are a bunch of scared people right now. Talk about scared people. Is scared sacred people? You know that whole analogy? Yeah, he's just, they're probably very scared thing. I can't live up to this. There's probably a bunch of them out there saying, Well, I can't do this. This isn't this is not me. Um, I understand what love requires, and I don't have it in me. Um, so if this is what Christianity is about, I'm checking out. And that's unfortunate, because that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about repentance and forgiveness. Christianity is about how Jesus came down to us, how we don't climb up to God, how we don't serve our neighbors to try to get them to God. But we love our neighbors just because we love them. Not anything about trying to do something brand new so people come into church. The Bible, Christianity, is all about... Now, want to use some of Pastor Stanley's sarcasm there? Check this out. It's really hard. The Bible is all about Jesus and the gospel. Now that is a simple concept but so often missed. It's about Jesus and the gospel. It's about grace and mercy and a loving father who wants to forgive all of our sins and adopt us as son and daughters. That is the message of God of God, and the gospel of Jesus Christ and not Pastor Stanley's message here of what does love require. Thank you for listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We hope you hate it. Don't bother sending us any feedback at facebook.com slash God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. Don't contact us at discussion at God Still Speaks Through Jackasses.com. Also, forget about rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Stitchers. I mean, this is the easiest way in the world to spread the gospel. A few clicks. And both iTunes and Stitcher recognize us as a, quote, popular podcast, which we don't want at all, okay? That's going to just spread the gospel to way too many people, invite more listeners and all that sort of thing. We don't want any of that. And, yeah, we just can't have any of that. However, I'm afraid we must say, in light of everything that's happened, all third-party material is used under the Fair Use Doctrine, Section 107 of the United States Code. And even though you may have hated every minute of it, thanks again for listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. For all that's wrong with this world, Bible plan to save the world, just you wait.